Hello and welcome to another episode of Our Athletes. My name is Michael Raziel and I am the host of this show where I get to interview Olympic athletes on their story and path to the games. Today, we have special guest Tommy Beesmeyer, Olympic athlete, 2018, incredible man, downhill skiing, super G, the whole nine. He uh, hangs out with those gates and apparently it doesn't hurt as much as it looks like on the TV. So I hope you guys enjoy this one, Tommy. He's a really cool dude, very laid back, has a lot to say. Um, has been doing this for a very long time. So I hope you guys really do enjoy this episode. So one more time, give it up for Tommy. All right, today's special guest, Tommy Beesmeyer, USA Skiing Alpine. Tom was born January 30th, 1989 in Key, New York. He started skiing at the age of two, which um, is pretty incredible because I don't know when kids are supposed to start walking, but it sounds like you started skiing right afterwards. So that's pretty awesome. So Tom frequented Whiteface Mountain, which is actually where the 1980 games were held. Tom made his World Cup debut in 2010, and that year won nine overall NORAM podiums and won the title. Congratulations. Um, of course, Tommy attended the 2018 Games in Korea. He currently attends the University of Vermont up in Burlington, and he's hanging out with us today. So, Tom, thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, if you don't mind, I guess, taking us back to age two when you started skiing, I mean, best story is start in the beginning. So, if you don't mind taking it away from there. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I grew up in a town referred to as Out There, Keene, New York, which is about 20 minutes from Whiteface Mountain, which hosted the 80 games and also the, the 32 Olympics. And so, um, you know, when you sort of grow up with the Olympic spirit in your community, it sort of becomes instilled in your dreams as a kid. And so I would say I'm a product of that. And uh, coming from a small town where there wasn't a lot going on, ski racing seemed like a pretty good option in the sense that it, it only required one person to feel the team, which, which helped because I think uh, my high school, Keene High School, I played varsity baseball in the seventh grade because they needed a ninth. So it sort of puts it in perspective on like the competitiveness and the uh, athletic environment, which was pretty non-existent. And I was, and I was young, and when I was young, I was, I was just always hungry to play sports. And so ski racing was a local program that fulfilled that need. That is seventh grade varsity baseball. That's pretty impressive. I would tell people that and then just kind of forget the part about how it was because there wasn't too many people to field the team. But that's, that's very impressive either way. Um, so what, what was it about ski racing specifically, you know, Alpine that drew to you? Because, I mean, there was all the other sports were there too, right? So what, what's, I mean, obviously you said it was singular, it was individual, but was there anything else that you were pursuing on the Olympic um, sport side? Not really. Um, and and ski racing wasn't really something that I fulfilled, like dreamed of being an Olympian. And it was like, never really, that reality never really came through. Like didn't really believe that that dream could be a reality when I was around 18. Um, up until that point, I just enjoyed it and, um, didn't really come from a family of Olympians. Um, and so I would say I was pretty normal in the sense of like, yeah, having a dream, but it wasn't necessarily, um, something that I thought was obtainable. And so what at 18 or, or 17, whenever exactly that was that you realized, what was that moment kind of like when we, you were actually like, wait a second, maybe I can actually go do this and, and compete for my country. Cause up until that point, it, it sounds like you were trying, it sounds like you were training and doing everything necessary, but when you kind of realized that moment, did, how much did your mental attitude just shift to, okay, now this is what I'm going to try and do. 
I would say it was this, it's the same. Like, you know, I talk to kids now, they're always like, what's it like to be an Olympic ski racer racing on the World Cup? Like, what are, how do you channel those nerves? It's like, it's the same, the same nervous energy that you get racing your local state championships um, is the same feeling you get when you're competing at the highest level. And so I would say transitioning from um, sort of a regional level to a national level um, and eventually international it all sort of is the same. It's just a matter of like your focus. Like, mm-hmm. you, know, you start to, when you start to have self-belief and you start to get a clear picture of um, what your goals are, not necessarily what your dreams are, but sort of like in the short term being like this season, I want to be here. It's the same attitude, same mindset um, when you're a young kid. So I would say it just was a shift of what was re- what was really realistic. And, but what exactly was the moment? Like, what was the thing that set it off for you to be like, oh, wait, I can do this now? Okay, yeah, there's a specific, it was a specific day. It was, um, oh, do you have a date for me? Because that would be pretty cool. Uh, I would, I mean, I could look probably look to see what the date is, <laughs> but I'll, I'll do a ballpark guess. It's it was, fine. It's it fine. was in August, right? August 20th. Um, I would say that's a safe, safe bet. Um, August 20th, 2008. Um, I was going to UVM, um, starting September 4th, whatever it was. So but I was invited to go to South America with the, the development team with the U S ski team. And so that was sort of an honor. It was an invitee. It wasn't named to the team and, um, had already gone to orientation at UVM and was like ready to go. And then there was on August 20th, there was two South American cup races, which, um, are just, they are continental cups, which is step below world cup and there was a, the german team national team slovenian national team french national team and i it was two races in one day and i went from a world rank of i think 400 to 51st um well just, just because of the results that i um finished like the position i finished in scored me these fist points that lowered my world rank um for 400 to 51st so that sort of just changed everything and so then the national team sort of put their hands on me and said you can't go to school you gotta you gotta ski with us for the years and of course that was music to my ears and called home to my parents and said is it okay if i defer uh from uvm and of course they uh, agreed and supported it and um for that i'm also very grateful you know that's that's part of the sport as well as having parents that not only support you, but also they support you financially. And that at that point, that was where I was at. So um, I'm really grateful for that. And then it was definitely a shift in gears where, you know, you're, you're sort of looking up to national team members and then being a part of the system. And, and in one day, I was, went from on the outside to being on the inside. So it was pretty cool. That is a day, a single day. Like that is absolutely yeah. incredible. 300 and however many ranks higher like that yeah. is just so cool like when did it hit you i guess like was it that phone call being like oh yeah mom and dad sorry this happened i can i not go to school this year just give me one yeah. more shot like like when did it hit you emotionally and and when you realize like okay i'm in it let's go um yeah i would say just sort of that night you know sort of became a reality i mean it's <laughs> just it was it was almost i was more embarrassed about it than anything because I, I tell, I had a feeling that um, sometimes summer races in the sport of skiing can be looked at as um, bullshit races mm-hmm. where, you know, it's like, 
Um, I, so I felt like that was this case. I was like, God, like everyone's going to be looking at these races and just being like, what a gift, what would happen? Like that was not, those aren't realistic races. And so, um, part of me was kind of like, I wish I had like scored a little bit, I'd gotten a little bit worse. So it just seemed a little more realistic, but, um, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. And it was amazing how you go from like, that's where like, you know, you, you start to get those results and then I started to perform at that level, um, throughout that whole season. So that was really, that was like the really cool part about it is it sort of, I backed it up, mm-hmm. um, each race. And so, you know, you went from, you went from sort of being middle of the pack to being one of the best guys at, at races. And so at a, con- at a continental level. And so that was really fun and really cool. But yeah, it's, it's always funny when people are like, well, do you want to win or do you want to have fun? It's like, well, it turns out winning is pretty fun. So yeah. why not? Yeah. Let's just do that instead. So what do you think was it like that made you, that propelled you from middle of the pack to the front of the pack that, that quickly or that kind of going from almost an unknown to someone that was looked at as a favorite? Well, I think I was talented, you know, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten invited to ski with the national team at that point. Oh, absolutely. If I, if I hadn't had this skill set and, um, I think I just was given a shot. And so I think, I think I am definitely a product of, um, having like a staff, a team believe in someone and, you know, they say maybe he doesn't have the results to justify a nomination, but we'll give him a shot, uh, because we think that he's good. And so, um, uh, I think that that's, I think I was put in, put into an environment where I was really competitive and, you know, you, you kind of have to, you have to keep up. And so I got to that camp and just trying to put my head down and try to just like hang with the best gears. And I think, I think I did. Sounds like you did pretty well, Tom. Yeah. I'll have to give you that. Um, so actually let's just take a one step back before we um, jump ahead into your story. Can you actually explain your sport to us? I've seen it on TV. I think I know what I'm looking at, but I kind of, as I said, I really only watch it once every four years, unfortunately. So I kind of forget and then I have to remember and then by that time it's already over and I have to do right. it all over again. So if you don't mind kind of giving us like a five, like a five-year-old level foundation of what you got going on over there. Okay. Well, um, alpine skiing is the, a, a sport where it's a, it's a sport against the clock. So, you know, you have four, five disciplines um, within the sports. So you have downhill, super G giant slalom, slalom, and super combined. And the difference between all of those is radius, the distance between each gate. Downhill being the biggest distance between gate, super G is the second biggest, and it works its way all the way down to slalom. And so um, each sport or each discipline within the sport of alpine skiing has different equipment, a different concentration of athletes, Mm -hmm. and it's basically the fastest one to get from the start to the finish. Easy enough. And which one do you do? I do downhill and super G. So you do the two biggest. Yeah. Nice. More like the speed. Mm -hmm. The giant slalom and slalom are categorized into the technical events and downhill and super G are categorized into the speed events. Let's go fast. It's more fun to go fast winning (laughs) and going fast. Look at that. Now we know what's fun. Fantastic. So um, going back to your story now. So 2008 is when you kind of break onto the scene. You then have a, a pretty bad injury in 2009. Take us through that a little bit and kind of what happened that season and, and how so quickly after coming onto the scene and then kind of being you know shelved for a minute. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, um, when you, I was training downhill, I was in Chile the following summer um, after making the team and um, wasn't really a big deal. I just fell in a downhill training and I felt the classic ACL pop. And uh, I remember my first thought was, I'm guessing I'm going to UVM this year. And so I enrolled in school and rehabbed and six months later I was back on snow. So it was like, a total bummer uh, going into an Olympic year, which is there, at that point in my career, you know, it was definitely very far-fetched to say that I would have made the national, the Olympic team, but just, you know, competing and you never know what's going to happen. So not really having that opportunity to um, have a shot was definitely a small letdown, but I wasn't really focused on that. It was sort of at that point, it was just, it was a bummer, but, sort of made the best of it mm-hmm. and that's and then, it's i just think that the timing on that is just so frustrating um from an outside perspective how again you break onto the scene and then all of a sudden you kind of have to sit back down only a year later um yeah. and it's it's impressive that you were seemed pretty calm about it it's like okay cool i get to go to college now it's that's fine yeah so i went to school that year and then the next year i came back and then i was put um on the like the step below the world cup team, which is called the North American cup team. And so I put on that and then I won the North American cup that year. And that put me back on the, that put me on the world cup team in following year. And, and so I've been racing world cup, uh, since 2011 mm-hmm. and, and I sort of battled injury. I just kept getting hurt. Um, and I sort of have a, an aggressive style of skiing and I, that has come back to bite me and haunt me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, that's one of the reasons why I've been injured. So I think I've gotten a little smarter and I have a clear idea of like what my limitations are throughout it all. But going into 2014 games, um, tore my ACL again on the other knee. Ooh. I missed the opportunity for uh, Sochi. And at that point I was sort of, I was 23 and was in a position where I really felt like I was going to make it. I, I was ranked 26 in the world and uh, felt like I was on the rise. And that, was, that really hurt. You know, that mm-hmm. one definitely took a while. But once again, went back to UVM, stuck to the, stuck to the working formula and um, got my escape from the sport and did the PT, came back and... And then it's sort of been a small battle. It hasn't been that smooth. Um, I've had, I haven't had any other knee injuries, but um, just been like, I've had a shoulder that I had to get surgery on. Um, and, and then most recently, the day before, I made the Olympic team in 2018. And uh, the day before the downhill race, the last training run tore my Achilles. And so that was that was really hurt. I think that was the lowest point I've ever been in my career where, you know, you get, you've, I've spent, I've had two previous Olympic cycles that have gone away, that have gone away from me due to injury. And then the day before, literally maybe 16 hours before I was supposed to compete, I blew my Achilles in Korea. And that really hurt. And, uh, emotionally. And so, uh, but at this point now I just got back from my, return to ski camp in South America and it felt really good. And I guess all I can do is control what I can. And that's Mm -hmm. just 
staying in good shape and staying focused and calm and not trying to force, uh, force results. Mm-hmm. And, and so going back a little bit, when you said, you know, when, in 2010, it's kind of understandable that you were the Olympics really, I mean, it, it it's, you know, getting hurt sucks because there's always the possibility. You never know yeah. what's going to happen until you race. And then obviously in 2014, you felt, I mean, you're in the prime of your career at that point, especially for males, like 23 to 28 is probably right there. So these two Olympic cycles were probably your, um, you know, the ones that you were really looking forward to and looking, really pointing out um, and just how awful both of these injuries are and kind of just yeah. holding holding back. But it, as much as I believe you that the the emotional aspect was there, you seem like a very even keeled level dude. Okay. As you said, working formula, this is unfortunate. So we'll just go to school. We'll do everything we need to do there. Rehab, get everything done and get back on snow. So with, um, with the Achilles this time around, what is, what is the outlook? Like what's rehab like? I mean, you've done ACL a couple of times now, now you get the opportunity, let's call it to rehab your Achilles. So what's, what's that whole process like and how do, do all these injuries like it, physically obviously but mentally do they start to weigh down on you at some point especially because they all come almost at the absolute worst possible time yeah for sure i mean for sure i mean like there's no good injury they all well, suck absolutely um but uh but i would say you start to become more resilient and determined and it's a defined they're injury each injury is a defining moment in its own way where it's you know it puts you to it tests you physically and mentally more mentally than anything where it's like, do I want to make this sacrifice? Do I want to put in this time to, to come back? And there was never a doubt in my mind with any of the injuries that I felt like I was just going to stop. It was going to deter me from competing. And so if anything, these injuries have just taught me that I want it and I'm willing to do any, do whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. And that's so, I mean, that's obviously exactly what we want to hear. And it, it sounds like you're willing to do it and you sounds like you're, you're ready to rock and roll. So what, um, I know in talking to other, um, Olympians and other athletes, especially with Alpine skiing, like the Olympics, as much as they are a huge spectacle, you have a, a world cup, you have world championships. It's not like this is the only thing that you look forward to once every four years. So with that in mind, is it, does it make it just a little bit better knowing that because your sport is so big in other parts of the world, you have those opportunities or are the Olympics really the one thing that you look forward to the most every four years? Well, I mean, like if you look at my track record with the Olympics, um, I think I have every reason to hate them. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's a pretty good point. Absolutely. Uh, So yeah, there's sort of definitely, um, it's sort of that monkey on my back with the Olympics and I want to see that through. And so I, I think just part of my competitiveness wants me to just like take down the Olympics mm-hmm. when I get my next chance. So yeah, obviously it's in the back of my mind, but in the short term we have a world an annual world cup circuit that is pretty big. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of attention on it and it's a, Ski racing is a primarily a European sport, so all of our races take place in Europe, and they get huge crowds, and it gets a lot of attention. So, as a ski racer, that's where my focus is. And this, and each year, we've every two years is a World Championship year with the same um, cloud and respect that the Olympics get. So, I would say there's a lot of opportunity to to be successful and to feel a sense of achievement 
other than the Olympics mm-hmm. outside of the American eye. That's, that's sort of, and that's the difference between um, competing in Europe, talking to a European versus talking to an American. Like they have, you have to explain to mm-hmm. people what you do and where mm-hmm. in Europe you, all you, they know, they know who you are and they know what, like what the sport entails. And so it's definitely very um, rewarding to be, to be competing over there and, um, and as, as it's kind of annoying, you know, to be an, an American ski racer and to have the question always just be focalized around the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No, 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 <laughs> okay, no okay, for okay. sure not. No, it's, it's just the reality of it. No, I understand. Yeah. And it's, it's very frustrating. I mean, most, um, you know, they're called Olympic sports here, but as you said, in Europe, it's, it's one of the bigger sports. I was talking to a gentleman who, who does ski jumping again, very big in Europe here not there's there's nothing for him and it's very unfortunate and it kind of sucks that you know what you do isn't really appreciated as much here and again that's just kind of why I wanted to break this out a little bit and really try and help um, as many of the athletes as I can really just get their stories understood a little bit more and heard and and hopefully we can perpetuate that narrative and push it forward a little bit so um, you already told us you're gearing up for 2022 but what is it going to take this time around and and obviously with the in-between as you said you got world championships you got a world cup circuit but what is it going to take this time obviously you know biologically you're going to be older so your body's not going to be as responsive and and as well tuned potentially but what do you need to do to make sure that 2022 is is you know you'll be there you'll be you'll be in the best possible shape and, and you'll be racing and going down that mountain for us i mean i guess i'd have to be healthy I mean, okay that would be step one, one. <laughs> step one deal um but uh everything else i mean i would say just to enjoy it still and if I like enjoy the sport and get the same satisfaction that I do now out of it, then I think, I think everything will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I need to maintain um, a high level of performance and but all of that, all that's given, you know, it's like, it's just more, it's more mental than anything. Mm-hmm. Just like staying, staying in tune with it by not getting burnt out and um, injured for the most part. Mm-hmm. And yes, as I said, we'll, uh, we'll cross our fingers for you over here. We promise you that, man. Um, so aside from the games and aside from your sport, obviously we brought it up multiple times. Now you've been, you've been going to UVM for, I, I guess through this is your third A year, maybe, but like technically the last 10 years, however it works, what, um, what are you studying at UVM and, and what are you, and, and what are you doing there? And, and what are you trying to, I guess, then do moving forward? Yeah. So I think I've been going to school there for, I've enrolled at UVM for nine years now and mm-hmm. I have two years done. So, um, I wouldn't say it's anything to write home about, but <laughs> best 10 years of your life, man. Best 10 years of your life. Enjoy it. Uh, studying, um, finance mm-hmm. there. I'm in the business school there. So, um, yeah. And then outside of school and outside of training and ski racing, I've done internships as well. Just that sort of piggyback my degree that potentially could lead into a career after ski racing. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that I always hear from athletes, it's always very frustrating as well as the career after your career. I mean, you've sacrificed so much time or, or you've enjoyed so much time, however we want to say it, to to do something. And thankfully, again, your sport is not only focused solely on the Olympics. You have the entire um, you know continent of Europe that you can go and, and race and potentially make money at. But what is it like then having to get into a career almost as we 10 years, 12 years, 14 years behind the eight ball where you're coming in at almost a, an entry level where you're competing against 21 and 22 year olds. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. I mean, I did an internship in a bank 
last summer and I was 28 years old and everyone there was 20, 21 mm-hmm. years of age. And they're always sort of like, look at their, they look at you. So I'll scratching their heads being like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and, and, uh, but it's like, that's just part of the game, you know, like mm-hmm. just follow your pride. But the experiences that you gain by being an athlete and having so many obstacles to overcome makes you pretty resilient. And, and if you want something, you know how to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would say that is an asset that athletes like myself bring to the table. And so, and they, and those characteristics are, there's a strong correlation between those characters and in the workplace. And so you can be successful. And so I think, I think you have to be a little bit lucky too, you know, like networking along the way with your ski racing career, getting to know people that can help you out with that life after ski racing. Uh, and I think that's, that's what it's going to come down to is like having just someone believe in you and take a shot and sort of say, you know what, this is maybe you're underqualified, but we believe in who you are to, to be successful. So I would say you have to be, you sort of just have to, I mean, work hard. That's definitely one, know what you want to do and then also get a little bit lucky. And, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago, someone did believe in you, gave you a shot, and it worked out pretty well for uh, everybody involved. So hopefully, right. again, um, that you will <laughs> right. uh, will be lucky, and uh, you'll you'll do exactly what you need to do, and you'll be able to do that a little bit. So um, one last question for me, Tommy. Again, really appreciate your time today. Uh, the monetary aspect. I asked pretty much every athlete this that's willing to to speak about it a little bit. And right. as I told you before, you can go as deep, you can go as shallow as you'd like. I just want people to understand that all of our athletes are not Michael Phelps and Sean White. When they deserve exactly, and the Lindsey Vaughns and Chloe Kims, they deserve everything they get. But most of our athletes do not make the million-dollar sponsorship deals, and it's pretty unfortunate. So right. from, from your standpoint, within your sport, just being a United States Olympic athlete in general, what is it like being an athlete and kind of having that monetary aspect be very prominent within your life, unfortunately? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a challenge. Um, but it's also an opportunity. So we're all 1099. So we all pay self pay self-employment tax. And so, you know, however, you're not, no, when you're not the Sean Whites and the Michael Phelps and the Chloe Kims and the Lindsey Vons, you don't have people coming to you. You have to go to them and you have to be your best advocate um, first through your sport, but then secondly, just a good person. And, and you can't really be shy. You know, you sort of just got to, just knock the doors down and say, Hey, listen, I believe in this product. I want to be a part of it. Um, can we work something out? And if they, and you, you can't be deterred by the, by no, you just got to keep trying. And so I would say that's been something that I've slowly figured out, um, is, you know, utilizing the resources that I have and then also finding value in what I can provide. And so it's, it's definitely tough, but, it's um but you can piece it together and make a a good little salary and so i would say i would fall into that category where i'm able to you know live a life um that's i mean it's it's modest but it's i'm not sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel and so you know that and how do i do that i you know i work with kids that's like i found that that's where i have a huge value and so i do some camps um throughout the year and and then work and then i brand that and so i work with brands uh, Wyndham mountain is one of my biggest sponsors they sponsor the front of my helmet 
and uh, and then other thing you just then within the sport of skiing like with my contracts with the companies that I that I ski for and yeah I mean it's it's not easy but at the same time there is an opportunity and there is a platform set for us as alpine skiers that's all I can really know that you can you can do okay that's awesome man yeah and, and again you know I wish you guys all got paid a couple extra dollars but it is what it is and, and thankfully you're <laughs> it is what it is but luckily you're one of the ones that figured out um you know you kind of take your take your life by the take the bull by the horn something along those lines go yeah. run with it um and get get exactly what you're looking for and clearly you've been able to do that a couple of times so tommy thank you so much um probably gonna say your last name beesmeyer beesmeyer correct got it all right tommy beesmeyer usa skiing super g and downhill or just the downhill super g and downhill super g now we like to go fast here thank you so much tommy i appreciate your time today man yeah thank you Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Our Athletes with Tommy Beesmeyer. As I said, he's a pretty incredible guy. He's had some hardship, obviously, but along the way, he's done some incredible things too. So it's always good to look at those. So if you don't mind, please like, subscribe, share, review, comment. I don't know. Just do anything. Share this with your friends. I think this is really important to try and get a little more recognition for some of our Olympic athletes. They're incredible people and they deserve more than recognition once every four years. So thank you so much again one more time. I appreciate it and hope you have a wonderful day.